are back. Welcome into another episode of Chasing 1969, a New York Jets podcast. Today is Thursday, June 22nd. It's been a minute. How y'all doing? Took a little bit of a break here, uh, the early parts of June. We had scheduled a week off that we were taking, and then um, we got time to record, and, and there wasn't a lot to discuss. So we thought we'd take a little bit of a break here, um, but we are back. Got a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Um, before we get to all of that, make sure to follow us on Twitter at NYJ underscore Chasing69. Same as the YouTube. Teddy is at Teddy Huncho. I am at Spring Blake with four A's. Theodore, it's been a while. I miss you so much. We missed your birthday as well, too, but uh, how happy belated, I guess. Um, how are you doing? Yeah, well, thanks. Thanks. Doing well, man. Freaking, uh, yeah, we had to take a couple weeks off, which I, I don't think that missing three weeks in june killed us by any means or, or really made us miss any big news that we weren't able to react to nope. um but yeah man been good i just finished up grad school which we were just talking about before we congratulations um so i'm really ready to you know just be a full-time nfl analyst no, there kidding. you go yeah <laughs> <Teddy's> <laughs> but uh yeah feeling good Teddy's done with school, so now he's just going to do the podcast uh, once a week. Yeah, so yeah that I'm going to quit his, my job. That's his only commitment. He's <laughs> dedicated to the sport. Um, yeah, I agree. I feel like moving forward, the two breaks that we do are pretty pretty spot on with what we need. We can get a, a post-Jet season finishing up maybe till a little bit after the Super Bowl, um, unless the Jets are in the Super Bowl. Fingers crossed. That's what I'm saying. Hopefully Obviously. we don't even get so that hopefully, hopefully we don't even stop then. Um, but then also, yeah, this June period – you know, you had, you know, mini camp OTAs, that sort of stuff, the voluntary stuff um, really wasn't a ton going on. I think we were there. Our last podcast was when practices at first started and people were freaking out about uh, Alan Lazard and Aaron Rodgers, you know, getting banged up real quick on day one. So everybody was freaking out. Um, so we, we've taken a break since then. So let's just get back on a few things that have happened since then. One of the early notes um, and it was something we talked about in our last podcast was uh, uh, the Jets doing a visit with offensive tackle, offensive lineman Yanni Kajust from the Patriots. He then signs with the Jets. Third round pick from the 2019 draft. He started five games and appeared in 17 over the last two seasons for New England. Um, we talked about it last time. The Jets need depth and they need depth at the tackle position because as we um, look ahead and, and we're going to get into some fun stuff, taking a look at the Jets roster and how we stack up with some other elite teams in the AFC. One of those glaring weakness points or areas of concern is still the tackle position. So in comes another offensive lineman. He does have experience on the interior, but probably is going to be more depth there behind uh, Dwayne and Mackay and even Max Mitchell and uh, Ben Warren as well, too, came in from Pitt in the draft a few months ago. So thoughts on the signing, thoughts on the uh, the need and 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 where the uh, is there any are you, are you sauced up about Yandy Kajus, Teddy Pristash? Um, no, I wouldn't say sauced up. It's definitely kind of interesting when you see like he's a third round pick. Um, like you kind of associate like, oh, Patriots linemen are kind of good. Um, I do think, however, there's a trend of like the linemen that the Patriots let walk, they let walk for a reason, you know? Um, so like seeing a guy who was just drafted, what is it? Three, four seasons ago, I guess probably four mm -hmm. and he was let go or three. Yeah. Um, so that's, but you know, it's a depth piece and it is interesting because, you know, pretty quickly they were able to kind of build up that depth, uh, you know, with just a couple like quick signings with Billy Turner and, and, uh, could use in these guys. So it will be interesting to see kind of like 
who ends up getting cut, where everyone's going to land, you know, who's actually going to stay on this team. Yeah. Um, Cause I do think we're kind of reaching that point where it's like, all right, we got a lot of guys a lot of them. stick here to really be those backups. Um, but that's the approach you got to take, right? Bunch of dark throws. Yep. Especially at the position where Dwayne Brown is, is 39 and entering the end of his career. And you've got a, a concern here with Makai as well, too, who wants to be playing Makai left tackle just hates us. Hates the Jets. He wants to be left tackle. I've seen stuff even as recently. I, I saw it on Twitter a few days ago. I, I'm not sure who put it out, but they were like, don't be surprised if Makai's not starting. And my head didn't go to the fact of like he'd be sitting on the bench, but almost that he might even just be traded away and taken off of the team. Kind of like in a way that Elijah Moore was this past season, off season yeah. where... You know, it's a little bit of a headache. It's not helping the team accomplish maybe their goals here. It's providing a little bit of a distraction where you're not, you know, you're not a sauce gardener necessarily. Sure, he's a very talented player when he's at his best, but, you know, he's not like a marquee name here. He's not a Quinn and Williams. So maybe it had my head thinking like, would they even try and just get rid of it? Maybe if you can get a, a mid-round pick or whatever uh, back to um, back to uh, in return for him. Sorry, Mike iPad with my rundown keeps breaking. So I got to keep pulling this back up, but I agree. Uh, Yanni can um, the Patriots love to draft mid round guys, late round guys, unrestricted, you know, undrafted free agents, bring them in. They do super well. And then they're just like, all right, now we're done with you. We'll bring in the next ones. I never think that it necessarily has to do with talent. I just think it has to do come down to to finances, and I don't know what they're paying him. It's not like the Jets had to break the bank to bring in Yadni Kajuice, but I'm sure he's got enough talent in there where hopefully, worst case scenario, you need him out there for a little bit. It's just it's another guy to have, and, and competition coming this spring at the tackle position is going to bring out the best two along that offensive line. Robert Sala has said that again and again. We are going to put the best five guys out there. So if you got Billy Turner who wants to get out there, you got Yanni Kajus that wants to be out there, two guys that have had starting experience over the last few years. Um, it's going to be a challenge to Makai as well, too, to get out there. So to me, um, is he going to be, you know, the star right tackle all next season? No, but he's going to provide a lot of competition this summer to hopefully get the best out of the rest of the guys in that room. Yeah. And uh, uh, he signed one year, $1 million. So, exactly. you know, nothing pretty Not low in the bank. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, so moving along, other other names that kind of were floated around in Jets land. This was right around the time uh, when we last spoke to you all that DeAndre Hopkins was uh, released from the Arizona Cardinals after there being some trade rumors there potentially with the Bills or the Chiefs. The Cardinals just end up cutting bait, uh, letting him choose his own decision. Word's been pretty quiet on the street in regards to the Jets and their connections um, with with the former All-Pro, three-time All-Pro wide receiver. Um, Sala, when asked about uh, their current wide receiver group, or sorry, when asked about DeAndre Hopkins, says he loves their current wide receiver group. So really wasn't giving like a hint of like, yeah, we're looking to add in another guy to the room. Yeah, he said no, you know. Yeah, exactly. And so like, are you interested? No. (laughs) That's that gets pretty clear there. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's as clear as day, essentially. And, and you know, DeAndre Hopkins, I, I, I don't ever want to say that I'm a DeAndre Hopkins hater. He's one of the better wide receivers to play in this game over the last decade. But over the last few years, I definitely, you haven't gotten the production out of him that you had. And injuries play a role into that as well, too. But just a comparison, you know, he, he's, he's 31. Um, he appeared in only 19 games over the last two seasons with about 1,300 yards and 11 touchdowns. Now that's in the last two seasons combined. For comparison, he averaged 1,250 yards and eight touchdowns in each of his first eight seasons in the league. So he was a guy that 
Obviously, the availability plays a huge role into that as well, too. The numbers are going to dip down if you're not on the field, but um, hasn't been what he was when he first started and had a great start to his career in in Houston. So um, thoughts on Salah being so adamant and not bringing in Hopkins and thoughts on Hopkins as as a player as well, too. And, and would you really want to see him in here in New York? Yeah, it, it definitely was something that caught my eye. Um, you know, we've definitely had the the discussion about the wide receiver room a ton on this podcast over the last few months. Um, and I've been on notes saying like, while I think the room is solid, I definitely think there's one, a lower floor than a lot of fans want to admit. And two, just, you know, there's like room where a guy like DeAndre Hopkins um, could really be that piece that just like solidifies it. Um, my take on Hopkins, I mean, I think injuries has been the biggest thing for him like when he has played and been out there he's been pretty awesome or and even if it's not like oh I'm the best receiver in the NFL like I used to be he can at least be you know um like a a very productive player who's better than other people other receivers if he's on the field um so I like from that perspective I was definitely like okay they're not interested like I maybe would have expected them to be um with like this all-in mentality but then again, when you step back, like the first thing I thought of was, okay, well, we were in on OBJ. How come we're not in on DeAndre Hopkins? Um, But then you think about the money side of things and and it's like, how much money do you really have to go around still? You know, we're still waiting the the Quinn and restructure extension. We're still awaiting the Aaron Rodgers restructure. Then you throw on like Odell signed a $15 million contract that the Jets didn't want to pay. Yep. What's D hop going to sign? You know, if he signs a one, two year deal, yeah. like you, yeah. you got to think he's going to be getting paid more than $15 million. So I think like the idea of the jets adding someone like that, obviously they showed with OBJ that that could be an Avenue that they would take. But I think where it's different is like Deandre Hopkins could still probably demand more money than that. And they're just not in the place to be able to put that kind of money forward. So I think it's just an easy, Hey, we got our guys. We're not going to be able to afford them anyway. Don't even think about it. Yeah. I, you know that the money obviously makes a, a lot of sense. I would also say, I think even during the time when the OBJ rumors were floating around, I don't believe they had brought in Alan Lazard yet as well too. So that also plays a huge role. I think, I think the um, rumors at least, I think were we did. You already had the Lazard. Whole, there was the whole, uh, cause that was our first signing was Lazard or one of the first. And there was the whole, like, I mean, we had the meetings and, and all, I mean, I could be wrong, but I think we did. I think the I biggest the difference Lazard, there. I think that the Lazard had the, he was the first signing of like free agency has started on that Monday, but they had been meeting with Rogers the few weeks before the, the rumors with OBJ. I don't, I don't think that um, OBJ signed with Baltimore until later into free agency, but I think the, the rumblings of OBJ in New York happened before there was any mention of Lazard. Yeah, I guess you're right. It was about a week before. But regardless, happened. the other thing that also, when I think of those two specifically, that that to me makes more sense why I think the, the Jets would be very adamant is just like we're not in the DeAndre Hopkins market is stylistically as well too. Um, right now, when you enter the season, you want Garrett Wilson and Alan Lazard on the outside. Alan Lazard is, an, is a pure outside receiver. Garrett Wilson is somebody you can move in the slot, but you're really going to utilize him on the outside as well too. He is a little bit interchangeable, but with Odell... He has really turned himself into a slot wide receiver, which is where I think the Jets then turned in the cheaper option of Mecole Hardman and even Randall Cobb to a to a certain extent, albeit, you know, an, an older guy at this point. 
but I think they kind of look more stylistically like DeAndre Hopkins. If you go look at his route chart over the last five seasons, it is the left side of the football field. That man does not move off the left side. So I think you have a little bit more diversity in your receiver room with OBJ, whereas Hopkins, then you're like, okay, if we have Hopkins and Lazard on the outside, and I'm not, I don't think you're sending Lazard to the bench. You just paid him a lot of money. And he's been with your quarterback over the last few seasons. So then is Garrett Wilson just your slot guy? It just, it, there's a lot more that you have to tinker with. Whereas I feel like Odell, they were like, okay, he's not the star wide receiver. He's going to come in here, run the middle of the field, um, you know, be in some sub packages there as well too. And I, I don't know. I just think stylistically is the other part, but the money definitely makes the most sense. We don't know what Hopkins is going to sign for. And it's the market is going to be super interesting because most teams at this point, their caps are fucked. Like, I don't know how they're going to make it work. It's probably going to be a huge signing bonus to make things work, but um, that is definitely a huge part there as well, too, where it's like, we're working on a Quinnen extension. We don't have enough money as it already is. Wide receiver, we're set enough at. We're probably just not going to be in on you. Yeah. And I think what you're saying, too, about, like, the fit is exactly in line with the money thing, where it's just like, if, if you had signed OBJ it's really not that hard to be like, okay, this is a guy who's going to play like 30, 40, 50% of snaps, you know, yep. not like a super high percentage. Whereas if you go out and sign DeAndre Hopkins and he's healthy, he's expected to be out there on the field. Yep. Um, so yeah, you know, just the Jets have done a lot at receiver. So it, it does feel like this would kind of just be like, I think it's a move a contender will, would make, but it's just yeah. kind of like it doesn't fit at the moment. Well, and that's where you look at the teams that are interested in them. Well, actually, you know what? That's so interesting because beforehand the interest was the Chiefs and the Bills, but now it almost looks like he's only visited really with the Patriots and the Titans, who I was surprised by. They're two teams that want to be contending and definitely lack you know, yeah, playmakers, but it, it's not like a Cincinnati or – and a lot of these teams are already set at wide receiver. I would say, and we're going to talk about the Chiefs later, they're definitely not set at receiver, um, but you're right. It is a move that a contender or a team that is trying to win is going to make. Yeah, I definitely did think it was interesting. The The, the Chiefs and Bills stuff seems like it's just like money driven, like he would want more than they'd want to give. Yeah, but it, it depends on how serious he is, I guess, about that. I really think. I mean, obviously, I don't want to see him in um, New England, but to, it also wouldn't yeah. like, extremely scare me just to, like to give them that one guy. And I think the fit with him in, in Tennessee is like just waiting right there. Like they got nobody other than Traylon Burks. See, and I don't want that. See, that's the move I don't want. And that's the oh, move yeah. to me. Like he can, that's so funny. he can get the big money. Like wearing I, his Colts, Colts hat right now. Colts hat. And I'm drinking some Stella Literally blue cold brew out of, Are my, you? Uh, wow. out of uh, my mug here. Yeah. I'm on a, I'm on a terrible sleep schedule. So I'm staying caffeinated till like 8 PM nowadays. That's pretty odd. So hot. Um, I, uh, yeah, I don't want him in Tennessee. Um, I think Tennessee, I, they, the, the, but it's, there's the same situations where it's like a middle of the pack team that probably should be pushing for the playoffs, you know, new England, because they're always going to be in that 500 range. Why not try and get above Tennessee's probably looking at like the AFC South. Yeah. We got to worry about the Jags, but the Colts and Texans are, you know, rebuilding young quarterbacks. So Tennessee's like, well, let's just try and, and boost it up there. Um, but I would think if Hopkins wants to play on a contending team, I would want to take the less money with the bills and the chiefs. And then after that contract, let Tennessee give me a five-year big deal, you know, something like that. But obviously if he, if, if Tennessee or new England comes with big money, 
he's probably going to end up taking one of those. Yeah, two deals, and they seem to be the most interested. It does. I mean, now we're getting, you know, now we're just doing NFL talk. We're but having, it does seem it does seem like like Tennessee, if he signs to Tennessee, you know, they're trying to get rid of Tannehill, you know, whether that's going to be this year or next year. They're all in on one year. They are like this right. year. We got to yeah. make it work because Tannehill's contract, you're done after this season. And so I don't really view them as a Super Bowl contender this year, you know? And so it's like, okay, let's say he signs a two-year deal with them. It's like that you're only doing that for the money because you're going to have a year with Tannehill where you're going to be the only guy along with Traylon Burks, probably not super productive. And then the next year, it's like, who knows what's going to happen? It's just, you know, God, all this stuff's so interesting. It's so good to talk football. That was, you know, we we always we always finish up these pods and we're like, yeah, it's so great talking sports and football this time of the yeah. year. Like, I, I love being able to have this for an, an hour a week to just dive into. We really could do an entire separate show on just the NFL as a whole. Um, yeah, for sure. Which early teaser, I have convinced a young Benjamin Pace to do a sports betting podcast with me that I'm very excited about to really? do this fall. Very That's excited. Awesome. He That's is awesome. I, he is so much uh of a better gambler than i am so, and and he's just really? like he's so in he's always it. taking the random stuff which is i oh, feel like what sharps do he's so good at it yeah yeah he he gives That's me it, we're not we're gonna be football based but like he'll, he'll text me like a wnba game you gotta take the under and then it hits by like 50 points yeah. i'm like how the fuck are you picking I, up on yeah. this um now those are just... like the better ones though the the leagues with less attention i mean oh, yeah. like that the the, the vegas isn't as tapped into the market Yep. Now we're just getting into into beyond NFL talks. We're talking about Benjamin Pace, um, but just early teaser for that. If you're if you're looking for a sports betting yeah. podcast, um, and you don't hear I'll enough of me each week, um, so Teddy DeAndre Hopkins, the the Jets are not in on, but the Jets do seem to potentially be in on uh, free agent running back Dalvin Cook, who was cut from the uh, Vikings a couple weeks back. Um, Dalvin was set to make fourteen million there. Uh, Vikings did not want to pay that, which. At this point of the year, I don't get not wanting to pay. Like you're, you've already done the entire off season. I don't know. I don't think it was just a money thing. I think they're ready for Madison to take over. That's an entire story. We, we've talked enough outside of it. I just, I don't get where you're sitting here in June and you're like, uh, oh, well, all the free agents we want to sign. Let's let's cut our expensive running back. I don't know. That seems weird to me. Um, but Dalvin Cook and the Jets seem to be making a lot of sense. There's some dots connected there. I believe, I don't know what Salah's exact words were, Teddy, if you have that by any chance, but he definitely seemed to be more interested than he was with Hopkins. And, uh, yeah. you know, when you take a look at this Jets running back room, it makes obvious sense because um, we are not sure when Brees Hall is going to be back to full strength. And we have not seen enough from anybody else in the room to think that they can do just fine without him. You know, Brees was the engine that made the Jets offense hum for the first half of the season last year. And albeit it's going to be a little bit different now with a much better passing game, but with an aging quarterback and a shaky offensive line, you still need to have a balanced offense. And uh, it was something that Rogers leaned heavily on in green Bay the last few years, you know, when, when Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon and Jamal Williams were all humming at the same time, that gave him so much more room to work in the passing game. So when you're bringing that part of the Nathaniel Hackett offense into New York, run game is so important to make Rogers' life easier. So um, give me your thoughts on Cook as a running back. Give me your thoughts on his availability and, and sense with the Jets. And where do you land on him potentially coming into New York? Yeah, this is one that like definitely intrigued me right away. Um, because you think about this, James, and, and exactly what you just said, like this running back room, I think even – even let's assume Brees, Brees Hall is 100% ready to go. 
Like, I still think you are lacking something, you know, and maybe, maybe Michael Carter and, and uh, Bam Knight and this new kid, Izzy can all like be what they've kind of shown flashes of at times. But I also think like there was a lot of times last year after Brees went down where they had that opportunity to really take control, you know, and outside of the like one and a half games from, from Bam where he really went off, like it just didn't happen, you know, um, obviously there's more, you know, it's harder to run with a terrible pass game, whatever, but like, even with Brees, I think that this move would somewhat make sense, especially the fact that like, we have Aaron Rodgers as our quarterback, which is probably going to be a two year thing, you know, but you never know, like who knows what's going to happen next year. So to me, the thought of like, let's go grab this guy. Cause Dalvin cook is still to me, a great running back. Like Fantastic. he still passes the eye test. Yeah. He's still head, like head and shoulders better than a lot of other guys that you're going to put out there. So a little bit of injury history over the last couple seasons hasn't been yeah. fully healthy, but that that's running backs. Yeah. And I think that plays into the, like, like Brees Hall, I'm 100% like not, not hyping myself up on Brees Hall until we get like a lot closer and things start to look good. Like I know Salah was saying, um, you know, he, he hopefully he'll be ready for week one, whatever. Like maybe I, I, I think he said that not training camp. Um, but it's yeah. like, I, even week if he one. is out there week one, you would expect it a few weeks to, to get his feet under him. You know, these things take time. And as much as you want to say like, Oh, this guy's just going to be back. It probably will take, you know, a month into the season, month and a half into the season. So to me, like this makes a lot of sense. I think you also look at, the Nathaniel Hackett hire and you look at the, like the things they were running in those MVP years with Aaron Rodgers and the amount of um, I'm, I'm trying to remember the name of the formation, but just like basically having two running backs, like out there with AJ Dillon and um, Aaron Jones, both, you know, and it's like run that with Brees Hall and Dalvin cook. So to me, it's like, sure. You can look at this jets running room and say, we have Brees, we have Michael Carter. We have a couple other guys we believe in, like we don't need it. But to me, again, this is the type of move that a contender makes where it's like, we want to have an embarrassment of riches. We want to be over the top. And, um, I forgot what I was going to say. It sure, and, and it shores up the running back room. That is not a right. guarantee. It'd be one thing if, if we saw that, you know, if, if Brees Hall didn't tear his ACL last year, you'd be like, okay, well, yeah, it's an embarrassment of riches, but you know, Brees is still our number one guy. There is not a a 100% certainty like you were saying that we are we are maybe not even this season. You know, ACL injuries can sometimes be a two-year thing where you see, you know, a, a guy that I think of JK Dobbins and we saw some really strong performances of him at the end of last season, but it was another one of those things where it was like it wasn't ready to play yet, wasn't ready to play yet. He finally got out there and it took a month to really get going, and now you would expect this this second year that it's going to be a lot better. Um, but there is that chance we have to be, you know, we could be cautiously optimistic that by the middle of the season, Brees will be back to being Brees. But it is one of those things where we could be sitting there in December and being like, man, thank God we signed Dalvin Cook because Brees just isn't there yet physically. And if Brees has to be RB2 for a season be so we can preserve him long in the long run, fucking sign me up for that too, because that's the thing. You don't want to rush Brees out there. Yes, the Jets are in a Super Bowl window and they want to make the most of it. But if he is that prize possession and he was as good as he was in helping out that offense in the way he did last year, like he had such a great um, 
season that you you have a lot of expectations beyond next year, beyond the Aaron Rodgers era for him. So yeah, let's lessen the load for him. Let's bring in some other guys there. And to your point, outside of Bam being, you know, beast mode for a game and a half, everything else kind of was meh. Um, so yeah. yeah, bringing in Dalvin Cook, the fit with the offense, you're dead on. It's not even just the fact of having two guys out there at the same time, but it's two guys that are good running the ball and good catching the ball. They both can do both. And that creates a headache. If you have just a power back yeah. and a receiving back out there at the same time, you know what they're doing. But when you can switch it up and you can have both of them out there and then Dalvin's going out for a pass or Brees is like, you can mix things up and make life so much more difficult for a defense. So I'm totally with you. Um, the Dalvin Cook signing is is an important one um, if they can get it done. Let me ask you, unless you have anything else you want to talk about the player, where do you land financially on committing to a running back at this point? Yeah, well, that's where I wanted to talk and move to next. But I mean, it, it. we just talked about DeAndre Hopkins and how that really wouldn't make sense because he, even though he's like a veteran, older player, he's still that top tier guy and you're going to have to give him a lot of money. Whereas Dalvin Cook, I think it's just kind of one of those things like I don't want to pay him over the top. I don't want to like go crazy. But again, this is the type of move that I think like stirs up the running back room for a contending Jets team, you know, that wants to win a Super Bowl this year. So I think um, and, and I think you had the number. I think he was request. He like came out and reported requesting like 10, 10 million a year <laughs> average. Yeah, I think he's he wants to be in the eight to ten million a year range. Yeah, and I think you know that's a high bar to set, definitely. But if you're talking a one two year deal for a guy that I still think has something left in the tank, you have other guys, so it's not like you're going to need to give him three hundred carries a year and worry about that. And you look at the fact that like, what's the saving grace for these aging? running backs and I say aging because it's funny to talk about a 27 year old as aging but that's where they're at (laughs) but right but the saving grace for the guys the guys who hang around a little bit longer are the guys who have that pass catching ability you know that's what kind of allows these guys to not get completely overrun with you know just running up the middle over and over again so this is a signing I think makes a lot of sense for the Jets if they can get it done you know if they want to pay 8 million 10 million like go for it but again there's all these other kind of obstacles with our cap that are just like question marks to me right now, like what we're going to do with Quinn and what's going to end up happening with Aaron Rodgers. Um, So it's just like, we'll have to wait and see, but I, I'm, I would love it. I would too. I also think that, like you said, if you're committing to that too, you can throw him the Joe Douglas special where maybe you're getting that 10 million a year guaranteed, but it's just a one in one where it's like, you've got the option. It's maybe the second yeah. year isn't guaranteed. You can kind of like Dalvin wants, Do you think Dalvin cook would accept that? If he wants 10 million a year, I think he yeah. wants to bet on himself to be like, give me the 10 for this one season. And if, I'm worth it. You will let me know and you'll reward me that next season. Will the Jets do it regardless? I don't know. You know what I could also That's what's so funny to me is like, it it seems like if there was that option, it's like, okay, well, even if you had a great year, like, see ya, you know, like, but I guess if, if we, I mean, Hey, there's a solid chance. Obviously we don't win the Super Bowl this year. Like maybe you still want to go, go for it next year. You know, maybe Roger sticks around and you're like, Hey, we'll keep this out in this 29 age season or whatever. Exactly. And then the one other possibility that just came into my head as well, too, is maybe Dalvin is waiting until, you know, the middle or end parts of training camp. And let's say that the Jets are having they're loving what they're or they're loving what they're seeing from the receiver room. 
Say they're just taking a look and they're like, man, we've got depth. Mecole is going to be great. Lazard looks solid. Cobb is going to do just fine. The tight ends are getting more involved. We've floated it around before. There is still that chance there that if you want to get rid of the Corey Davis and trade him off to a team that needs receiver depth, then that money opens itself up to then bring in another running back. I just There is movable pieces still around on this team, and we're going to talk about another guy that's being floated around as a, a potentially movable as well, too, in just a little bit, because there is there is actually, the, the more we go through this, there's been a lot of news over the last few weeks that we're catching ourselves up on, um, but there's just so many different ways to make the money work where, yeah, if you're sitting there and you're in, in preseason week two and the receiver room, Denzel Mims looks fantastic. Say him and Rogers are fucking crushing it. And he's going to make that top six there. Maybe Corey Davis becomes expendable. And with that money, then you can go and put in a Dalvin cook into this offense because you're also going to be sitting there preseason week two, probably being like, Holy fuck. What do we do at running back? If, if Brees is in Brees by week four, yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely don't anticipate the um the Corey Davis cut, but it it, it you know not a cut you're exactly right that there's a lot of there's a lot send, of potentials. Send him off for like a late round pick. There's gonna be teams yeah. that are gonna yeah. want what they're gonna want receiver depth. Um and, and the Jets currently the way that they're sitting, if guys every guy in that receiver room tight ends included is going to be better than they were last year because they have one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time throwing the football to them. So just that is the blank slate. The only guy that you could say maybe doesn't look as good as me Cole, but he's also was being relied on as like a number one or a two in Kansas city. He's going to be a number four. He's going to be a great number four. Every yeah, receiver excited for that, honestly. is Denzel Mims is going to look Alan Lazard though, is playing with the same guy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh fuck. Okay. <laughs> so so can't those be two, better. they can't be better. <laughs> Garrett Wilson. Randall Cobb was too. Garrett Wilson. Let's just take a <laughs> let's just take a moment. Actually, we don't have to do this. I just like he's gonna finish the season Wilson as a top five wide receiver. To the fucking moon. Yeah, like he has to top five. Like, it, it, top five, but he's he's going no to if Rogers can if Rogers is still where he is at, and I don't believe that last year was like a sign of things to come. Like I think it was just a down season with a shaky line, the receiving options weren't there. Now that he it's gonna be Devontae Adams esque. Yeah, I totally agree. There. And let's remind ourselves that everyone loves to talk about Aaron Rodgers' down year where he I threw for 3,700 oh. yards and 26 touchdowns. It's like, when the fuck has a Jets quarterback thrown for that many yards in the last five years? Never. Like, I, never. I, so, I was listening. Yeah, exactly. Come I, in. I was... He's going to be on a better team. He's better for us. Like, his down year last year is, like, I'm so sick of hearing about it. I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast uh, in the middle of this week and they had Benjamin Solak on and I like a lot of his work too, but they were just like kind of poo-pooing Rogers on the jets. And he was talking about the offensive line and being away from Matt LaFleur. And I was like, well, really when Nathaniel Hackett left is when Rogers got worse and we've got him back. And I don't think you guys recognize how bad the Packers offensive line was last year. Like, yeah, the jets isn't much better, but you know, you would assume that maybe the yeah. Jets can get more pieces going in there. So I don't know. We're 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 getting on the topics that we didn't really anticipate. So I don't want to spend too much time there. I think we're very excited to be back. But I agree, yeah. Garrett Wilson. I think he finishes next year as like a, a legit top five. Like when you're mentioning the top five wide receivers in football, it's a list of Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, C.D. Lamb, um, A.J. Uh, Brown, A.J. Brown. Uh well, Devontae, some uh, top seven. Give me top seven. There's a lot seven. of guys. 
But but I mean, Tyreek, you just said Devontae Smith. Like you don't think or don't no Devontae Devontae Adams. Oh Devontae Adams. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but again, it's like I I don't think it's absurd to say that Garrett Garrett Wilson finishes a better year than Devontae Adams, well, especially with like, Jimmy G or whoever the fuck they got in Vegas. I think he's like no, that's, that good. Yeah, you know, and Devontae Adams was was the best receiver in the league for a while until these young kids came in. Like and, and AJ Brown's Garrett gonna Wilson, have it. I think is there. AJ Brown's going to have a down year because Shane Steichen is now with the Colts. So, you know, you got to take into account that as well, too. So Jalen Hurts won't, you know, be uh, what Jalen Hurts was yeah, last season. Right <laughs> Jason hasn't paid me yet, by the way. So you'll you'll get your money when he finally does. So that's all right. <laughs> it's it's no coming. Worries. For everyone listening, <laughs> I believe in Jalen Hurts, not Blake. Uh, I, I believed, but now I don't want to believe. Like now is the time where I'm ready to not believe again. All right, moving on. Um, Teddy, uh, we've talked about some fun signings in here. Um, I love this podcast. The uh, the one bummer to come out over the last few weeks, stuff that was a real downer. Uh, Chuck Clark suffers what appears to be a torn ACL, um, anticipates being out for the season. He was traded in for a seventh-round pick in, in the offseason, and really up to that point was just like what you could count on was him being on the field. This is really one of those things where he played just about every game, every season throughout his career. And, and here we are sitting in June and, and new team expanded opportunity for him. He was going to fill that starting box safety role for the Jets. So like this was a, a step up for him in his career. Super devastating to, to get injured and have your season end before it even starts. Um, the Jets then turned to uh, former Packer and Chicago Bear safety Adrian Amos, um, who kind of in the same way is always available. He's not, I think, maybe the most talented, and he did have a down season uh, this past year in Green Bay, but he's versatile. He'll fill the box role. He can play free, but um, he started 122 games for the Packers and Bears since 2015, 66 straight starts for the Packers since 2019. He was a free agent here in June, so obviously he wasn't a prize possession, but he's somebody that kind of like Clark. It was like, let's just get another safety in here and see what we can do. First, Teddy... Talk about the injury to Clark and how much of a, you know, what that, that kind of was like when you found out. And then uh, actually, cause you found out through me as well too. Now that yeah, I'm honestly, <laughs> I saw that we signed Adrian Amos, about that. you know, not to admit that maybe I wasn't paying attention as well as I should, as well. As you were finishing been, up grad school. I saw we signed Adrian Amos texted Blake and he's like, Oh yeah, well Chuck Clark got injured. So that's why we did that. And I was like, Oh yeah. fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, and honestly, it's like, we got Chuck Clark for a seventh round pick. So to me, that already is like, how valuable is this guy going to be? Yeah. Um, but you, you did expect him to be that starter out there with Jordan Whitehead. And then, so, you know, it's a blow, obviously. But to me, it does kind of feel like a lateral move of like, we replace this one veteran that's going to be a question mark of how good he's going to be with another veteran that's going to be a question mark of how good he's going to be. You know, and that's kind of how I see this. Um, but Obviously, it's like we went out and gave up a pick for a guy, you know, that our coaching staff and front office obviously believed in him in, in, in some some capacity. So it obviously sucks from that perspective. But it's I didn't get super attached to Chuck Clark yeah. this month or so that he was signed to the team. So I'm not like super devastated, I guess. Yeah. And to be fair, the entire safety room is a question mark. I don't think we feel strongly about any guy in that position group right now. So it was one of those yeah. where it's like. Look, we got a guy who starts all the time for your plays a ton for Baltimore for a seventh round pick. Perfect. Okay. Now we've got a guy that's been out there for 66 games in a row from green Bay. Perfect. It's one of those where 
We just need guys. We need guys to not get hurt. I think that was the frustrating part with LaMarcus Joyner for a bit. He misses his entire first season here in New York two years ago. This past season, up and down play. Whitehead is another guy that, you know, you throw that many hits around, you you make as many big hits as him. Is he going to be able to hold up for a full season? They just needed safeties. And, um, you know, they they brought in two guys that clearly the mold is just like, how durable are you now? This is something right. you can't predict here with, with Chuck Clark. Um, and, and it's just so unfortunate, but they've brought in two safeties that are just always available. So it just shows you, they just, they need somebody to play safety for yeah. the jets in 2023. Yeah. And I do want to go on record and say, I'm really buying stock in, in the Jordan Whitehead, Whitehead bounce back. Yeah. Um, just cause I think that's just like so obvious, like a, a year in the system, you know, I also, I like, I always have to remind myself because when I think about like the safety room last year, I don't think it was like this super strong room, but then I'm like, okay, but our defense was like really, really good. And like, they were clearly the worst part, but still like we so never clearly. like let up, like we rarely let up like more than 20, you know what I'm saying? So there's all these like things where I'm like, I don't, I think this room is not as great as like other teams and stuff, but I don't think it's like this like oh this safety room is going to be the death of our defense because I do think you know like Jordan Whitehead and then a guy like Amos are good enough to be out there starting you don't need safeties to win a Super Bowl no one's winning a Super Bowl because of their safety duo it's it's in it's a position you need two guys out there but it's not something where it's like corner or edge rusher or left tackle or wide receiver or quarterback especially when you have the corners that we have like we have the luxury of allowing those guys to really you know like we can trust them one-on-one and so it, it helps the safeties out a ton yep yep exactly um so hopefully amos is a guy that can come in and fill that role like i said it was a down season for him comparatively talent wise in 2022 but anything compared to i think what we got that was the thing with the safety room is you're right it wasn't one of those things where it just like it we were a bad defense because of the safeties but it was like if you threw up a montage of boneheaded Jets plays defensively last year. 95% of them were Jordan Whitehead or LaMarcus Joyner, someone in the safety room just fucking up. All the like touchdowns that like people would be like, oh, Sauce Gardner was the closest defender. And then you'd like watch the all 22 and it'd be like, oh, well, clearly that was the safety sky and Sauce was just recovering, you know, like that. that Jordan Whitehead overcommitted. That happening off the top of my head. Oh, yeah. The amount of yeah. times Whitehead would commit to a receiver stopping down and then him just like turning on the burners and it's just yeah, like, oh, yeah, that's what I'm picturing. Yeah, as well. Oh, heartbreaking. But. Yeah. All right. Um, and then Teddy, before we get to, I guess, our, our finishing topic, there was one uh, news and note piece that I think we should spend a little bit more time on because, um, you know, the Jets are now sitting here. They've had their voluntary mini camps. They've had their OTAs. We're taking a little break. So they've had time to see. Uh, the the roster essentially together for the most part. Some guys not participating, whatever. Some guys taking a little bit easier. Um, but recently uh, came out by the Athletics, Zach Rosenblatt, and then was uh, later kind of confirmed by Rich Samini, but I think he was just throwing in his two cents, that um, the Jets have been fielding trade calls for defensive lineman Bryce Huff. Uh, Rosenblatt said, I've heard teams have called the Jets about trading for Huff this offseason, though nothing has materialized. Samini said he wouldn't be surprised if he draws trade interest. So obviously he's still on the team, um, but he has been receiving calls. And and look, for the Jets defensive line here, we know that their starters are their starters. We know that they've drafted some young guys there and Will McDonald and Jermaine Johnson the last two years. When you take a look at Bryce Huff, he's been one of those really great value pieces along the defensive line. 
Um, you know, if you take a look at the numbers, he was a healthy scratch the first three games of this past season, but and he only played 20% of the defensive snaps, which in the grand scheme of things, the high end of edge rushers or defensive linemen in this scheme really don't hover all that high at all. So 20% is a low number, but there's a lot of edge rushers that are still in that range there. Um, I mean, he, I think the ceiling is is Quinnen at like 59%. Honestly. Exactly. Yeah. Or, or maybe maybe Lawson's that was, out there a little bit more than that. Yeah. Um, but I know that like seeing that 20%, I'm happy you brought that up. Cause that was like the first thing I thought of when like to do when I, when this news came out, when I think back to his season, I'm like, yeah, he had a pretty good year, you know, whatever. But then you look at the numbers and I was a little shocked, you know, I think he was out there almost 40%, um, in 2021. And obviously, you know, the jets added talent at that position. You got Carl Lawson back. So you didn't really need him out there as much. But you just talk about him being a healthy scratch for three three games. He really did, like, show something and prove he should be out there on an NFL field and should be getting playing time. Um, I've got – So it's an, interesting, it's an interesting thing. Thankfully, we've got this beautiful thing called the internet. Um, Quinnen Williams was there atop the defensive line at 60% of snaps last season. And then right behind him were both Carl Lawson and John Franklin Myers at 58 and 56, respectively. Um, your defensive tackles were out there a, a good chunk. Sheldon Rankins at 49%, Nathan Shepard at 34, Solomon Thomas at 32. And then the other edge guys were ahead of Bryce Huff. Um, you know, you've got Jermaine at 27%, Michael Clemens at 27%, um, but then Huff comes in there as well too at about 20%. So, you know, there, there are a decent amount of guys ahead of him, but to be said, I mean, we're talking really not that much of a difference, especially when you consider the fact as well too, Huff also was a healthy scratch for the first three games. So right. that one probably stands out to me more than the, than the 20%. Um, but in his time with New York, seven starts out of 37 games, seven and a half sacks, 22 QB hits, and a forced fumble in three years. So what really caught your attention when the news came out that they're fielding the calls? That's the thing. They're they're just picking up the phone. They haven't moved him yet. They're just yeah. entertaining the idea of, of, you know, what the value is for Bryce. I mean, I, I'd actually love to let you go first. And the reason I say that is just because – we have, I've kind of known Bryce Huff, like gotten attached over the last four years. Yeah. And so you have maybe, maybe not been as, as in tune, you know, as long. No, and definitely so not. to you, from what you know, Bryce Huff as, you know, like you saw him last year, like number one, does this shock you? And number two, do you think it would be a good move for them to do? Or do you think the it's kind of like, the reason it doesn't shock me is because I don't think the Jets necessarily planned coming into draft season that they were going to get Will McDonald in the first round. But when you take a look at the defensive numbers and and, and Bryce is sitting there at 20% and you're still playing Michael Clemens more, you're playing Jermaine more, um, you've brought in other guys as well too, a couple other defensive tackles in there. So like the room is shuffling around a little bit. Now there has been some stuff specifically we've seen this recently um, and we didn't touch on this in the news part but they're also trying to move Michael Clemens to that hybrid role like John Franklin Myers they're do giving him some work in a defensive tackle and trying to see like can we put him inside on some of these situations and then on the pass do we open him back outside so or maybe it's the reverse way maybe they move him in on the pass is what I would think yeah um, so yeah. they are looking to tinker with this defensive line a lot and try and get the best guys out there as often as they can so it looks like Will McDonald 
this to me is what it is, is Will McDonald is probably showing off that he's going to have some high end pass rushing abilities. And I think we've seen he's more of a project first round pick, but where his specialty is, is going to be pass rushing, freaky athletic, super long. Yeah, he's a little bit on the smaller side, but he's going to be in there on passing situations. When I see that Clemens is doing some work inside and I see that they're entertaining calls for Bryce Huff, that tells me. They might have got something better than they expected here in Will McDonald, especially in his first season. So I think it's it's not an embarrassment of riches because it's not like they're sitting out there with J.J. Watt and Jadevi on Clowney. And it's like, oh, well, we've got our two guys there. But in a room as deep as it is and as many guys as they want to employ, it tells me they have to be confident about some of the other guys where Huff now just becomes the odd man out. Now, I haven't been around for a few years. So what's your kind of attachment or, you know, what is your opinion on his contributions to the yeah. Jets in the last few years? Well, yeah, I, I think everything he said is really smart and it, you know, it obviously comes from that place of kind of like a level head who hasn't built the attachment. I think the thing with Huff is this is now his fourth year in the league, I believe. Um, <clears throat> and Jets fans have really noticed, you know, that despite being a, a I'm, I'm blanking if he was undrafted or just a later round guy, um, but he's one of those guys where he's really shown up when he's been on the field and you kind of see him flash on the screen. And, you know, last year, those first three games where it was like, yo, where's Bryce tough, like healthy scratch. And then once they start getting him out here, you see him make plays. It's like, Hey, let's get this guy out there. What are we doing? So I definitely think the, the overall Jets fan reaction to this news has been like, don't trade him, you know, like, why would you want to trade him? Um, and I do definitely like understand that side of things because he's a guy who's, you know, I think a lot of Jets fans view this as like, a, oh, he can be out there and be our starting guy, which just isn't mm. going to happen yeah. With, yeah. The, with the draft picks that we've had the last two years with no. taking two edge rushers in the first round and having Carl Lawson. But I think that's kind of how Jets fans view him as like, oh, this is a guy who can be an elite player where really he could probably be a, a good player, but it's nothing more than that. And you pair that with, it's like, okay, he's going into his fourth year. So after this year, you need to decide if you're going to pay him. And then you look around at your room, you're moving Clement inside to try to get some more opportunities for, you know, Jermaine Johnson and Will McDonald to work in and, and, you know, JFM can can move back and forth and Clemens can move back and forth. And it's like all of a sudden it's like, OK, even if we do really like Bryce Huff, he's probably not going to be around after this year. Let's go get some. If teams are interested and other teams are saying, hey, I know this hasn't been a starting player for you guys, but we see the talent and you can capitalize on that. I think that's like a no brainer to me, especially, you know, I, I hate to lose that depth because I think he's a good player and I think, you know, like the room could use him, but I think there's, there's like in, in, in an ideal world, you're going to have Carl Lawson out there a lot and Jermaine Johnson's going to take a step and you're going to see Will McDonald be awesome. So it's like, do we really need another guy to go along with all these other rotational pieces, you know? So I see where the Jets fans are coming, but I definitely side more with you where like rationally, I think this would make sense if you can get value. Now, if you're just going to trade him for a six round pick, keep him, have a better defense, you know, but if you can actually get something for him, I say, 
unless you're going to trade him later in the season. I wouldn't trade him now for like a six round pick or something like that. Is there like a certain round that you'd be like right now? I'd, I, if I'm like, I mean, maybe third... like a fourth round, you okay, know, good. third or fourth round pick. I'd be yeah. like, fuck it. Why not? You know, compensatory yeah. picks get thrown yeah. in there. So teams might be willing to throw a little bit extra in there as well for it. Throw in one of those extra picks that they get. Yeah. I just, I, I think we often forget as well too, that, these guys that are entertaining the trades and looking at the players, they're with the team every fucking day. They are watching what's yeah. in front of them and then taking that information and assessing their options afterwards. So yes, they're probably like uh, Bryce is very valuable to this team, but I think they're also realizing to a point we we've joked for so long about how deep Sala wants this defensive line. I truly don't think their plan was to get a first round edge rusher here two years in a row. I think, no, Jermaine I mean, it was. wasn't. Jermaine certainly was. They were trying like hell to come back into that first round for a while to get him, and they ended up doing it. But Will McDonald kind of just fell onto their laps because positionally they just they ran out of other options at other positions. So it's just it's the price of just they have too many guys now. Like the percentages, but are you going to just redshirt your first round pick the entire season? No, you want him out there. Jermaine is going to demand more opportunities because he's another year better. Hopefully, um, you know, Carl's not going anywhere. John Franklin's going to move in and out just like Clemens. So yeah, I think they just, uh, they, they, they just, they have too many edge rushers now is what it is. And we've joked that you can never have enough edge rushers on this team, especially in this defensive scheme. But for a guy that is, was last year sixth among defensive ends in snap percentages. Um, and then you draft a guy in the first round. They got to go somewhere. Like the Jets' first round pick is going to be their sixth best or their sixth most utilized edge rusher this year. Their first round pick. So, like, we got to understand at some point that, you know, we can't keep everybody around. And, and you're right for the value if it's there. That would, that would be a disappointment if that was true. If he was our sixth utilize that rusher well but then i'm include i'm still including um i'm still including john franklin myers i'm still including um michael clemens as well too snap percentage wise because certain percentage snaps are going to be in the yeah. defensive tackle but i've got do what Lawson, you're saying will mcdonald's JFM, gonna be that situational guy especially in his first fifth year most. fifth but most sorry fifth most. i will push back yeah i will push back that i think like the ideal in my mind is having JFM playing inside more with Quinnen. And then you have Lawson and Will McDonald and Jermaine Johnson, like really as your three guys. Like I would, um, I would rather see Will McDonald demand those plays, you know, but. JFM. And, and yeah, eventually that. this is one of those things where the first round picks hopefully push John Franklin Myers out of a role, but John Franklin Myers is only an edge rusher in those uh, or he's only a defensive tackle on those passing situations you know first and second down it's going to be Quinnen and Quentin um, which is going to be a real headache for me throughout this season just going between the two defensive tackles like you're yeah, gonna have the two funny. you're gonna have the two big and then we got Quincy there. yeah yep a lot of cues um uh but but you're gonna have the big fuckers out there in those early down situations where JFM right now slated to start in, on the outside, and then you move him in. And look, we're in the NFL now where a lot of early down situations are also passing, so maybe you don't have the big fuckers out there as much. Um, you'll always have Quinnen, but, you know, yeah, I, you're right. You want to start to see Franklin more on the inside um, in those passing situations to give opportunities to McDonald. So uh, I was wrong. What do you think it, about uh, let's just change the defensive tackle position to just BF, big fuckers. Big fuckers. Big like beefy that. fuckers. <laughs> the big fuckers. The big fuckers yeah, in the middle. That's funny. Yep. Big fuckers in the middle. Um, well, especially now you take a look at a guy like Will McDonald. You, you, we can call him defensive lineman altogether, but Will McDonald is not Quentin Jefferson. 
Those are two different human beings. Will McDonald is a fucking paper thin boy compared to Quentin Jefferson. Quentin Jefferson is an yeah, no, that's definitely true. He's that's so but weird. if you want to grade, and I know this means nothing, but if you want to grade Will McDonald on how much hype he's getting during OCA's is he getting a lot mini camp or whatever? Just everything I see is like positive, and it's like, like I, you know, there was one story. These are always so funny, like these stories that like get put out because it's like practice, you know. Yeah. But it's like the story was like was like Carl Lawson and and Quinn and Williams were captains, and their first pick was Will McDonald. Oh, I did see that. Like and you're like, okay. And then you like, yeah. There's all these things about how just how quick he is off the ball, which like you know it really means nothing, but it gets me hyped up. <laughs> Yeah, how could it not? You need you need stuff to amp you up in June when the season is less than we're less than eighty days away. Dude, These years go just, by fast. I said man. this in our group chat yesterday. We, we we're not close, but we're pretty close to being close. You know, like once we get to like mid July, it's like all right, training camp starts in a week, week and a half. And once training camp starts, I mean, obviously there's still that wait, but things get real quick, um, and there's a lot to talk about. So so we're not. You know, it sneaks up on you fast. The NFL's done a great job making this a year-round sport. I I think it's also true that like as you get older each year, you know, mathematically I mean, it goes by faster. True. So that's just what that's just what happens. Smaller so like, percentage I, of your life. My yeah. my brother texted into our family group chat. Um, I think it was Monday, and he was like, 80 days till the football season." I was like, "Oh fuck, we're, we're yeah. pretty close. Like we're we're getting there." I I, like, I realize that I'm getting older when I start to. I'll be like. I'll, there's there'll be something i want to do like maybe go visit you in nashville and i'll be oh, like no you would never be like all right let, maybe i'll set up maybe i'll set a date for next summer to, to you know what i mean like i view things like yeah. two three years out like <laughs> oh i'll like, get that in the next couple years there. you know yeah. and it's like just like a weekend that's an old man but, shit dude i know i know uh all right well teddy let's let's finish let's up get here. into we, this new segment yeah we got a new series that we're going to do between now and the start of the season we got a working title for it. I like New York, you know, New York versus the world. And then we make it Kansas city chiefs edition for whatever week it is. It's a working title. We'll figure it out. Maybe we'll figure it out as we go along with the show, but I basically don't hate that. New York versus the world. Basically we just want to take a look the jets, you know, last year we weren't looking as the jets as maybe a super bowl contender. I don't think any of us were sitting here in June, July is like, we have a legit chance to make a deep postseason run. Um, we wanted the team to be better than as bad as they were the season before. Um, so we are going to be sitting here now with the Jets legitimate chance to make a run at the AFC title. So we're going to spend each week until we run out of teams that we think really are viable options and just see where we stack up against the rest of the conference. We can throw in some NFC teams, but I really think for the most part, it's the AFC because that's the gauntlet to get through. Um, so we're going to do it kind of in reverse order, starting with, you know, who is most favorited to to win a Super Bowl. And then we'll work our way backward and kind of just follow through teams. And we're going to go through position groups. We're going to say, you know, our thoughts on different. Some conversations are going to be quicker than others. There's a few in here that are going to be the easiest conversations where we don't need to spend a little a lot of time on it. Um, some really interesting conversations with other position groups and just see how our rosters stack up with the other teams in the AFC. And we can sit at the end of this and be like, wow, you know, man, the Jets, we we still only have maybe like the fifth best quarterback among these contenders here, albeit, you know, a great one in Aaron Rodgers. But we can sit there and say, we got the best secondary in the entire conference. So it's going to be fun when we're all said and done to see how we how we think this team stacks up uh, against the uh, the rest of the conference. Anything else to include in that, Teddy, before we get in? No, I just, I, I think it's, you know, 
it's an exciting thing to do because we are, you know, viewing the Jets as a Super Bowl contender this year. So I really think like being able to kind of dive in and look team by team and see how we stack up really just kind of helps provide that context of, you know, because I remember years in like the 20 in the Darnold age where I'd be like, oh, you know, our team's actually not looking terrible. You know, Robbie Anderson yeah. <laughs> and, and Quincy oh. and Nunwa are pretty good. And, you know, and, but then you're like, OK, yeah, they're OK. But then you compare them to other teams in the league and it's like, holy fuck, you know. Yeah. Um, and I do also think I think that the Jets were hot in the streets, obviously, after the Aaron Rodgers news. And I think everyone deservedly so has, you know, kind of jumped on them. But they were getting to that. Maybe it's just the story playing out and, and the offseason. But we're getting to that point where more and more it's popping up of like, how good are the Jets? You know, and then you see these stories of like, is the rest of their team really ready to, to be with Aaron Rodgers? And I think it's like an interesting discussion to have. I hope it really is just like slow new season and people <laughs> need stuff to talk about because you're right. The last month I've just been hearing more and more people be like, eh, Rogers, he's 40. He's with the jets. Now it's the jets. It's not going to work. Yeah. Out. People are, it, it's very lazy takes when they're using it. So I really hope that as we get closer to the season, people start to look in this and they're like, you know what? It was a top five defense last year. And they did just replace the worst starting quarterback in the league with one of the yeah. greatest quarterbacks of all time. So I you agree. Know what I'll you. Compare it to what it, it, a, a good um kind of example is like last year the the lions right had had the draft yeah. they had and we're kind of viewed in a similar vein as the jets where it was kind of like this team isn't all the way there but they could be a team to watch and as the offseason progressed it very started with like everyone was like the lions are my dark horse team but then that leads to you know a few months later it was like everyone was like well maybe this Lions team actually isn't every like we're hyping them up a little too much maybe we should pull the brakes and it's interesting because you know they went out and won nine games last year or whatever it's like they did definitely take a big step for them and the original take of kind of like this could be a team that's kind of frisky was actually correct but you just kind of saw like the take like uh what what like take fatigue you know like people were just sick of hearing it so you start pushing back yeah. um I think diving in and doing this series is really going to give us the answers we're looking for. And I think starting with, you know, the cream of the crop with, with the chiefs is the correct thing to do. Yeah. Super Bowl favorites to, uh, to repeat as champions this year, obviously one last year over the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, well, let's just, let's start right off the bat. Teddy. Yeah. Uh, real first... quick. I just, yeah. just to, just to, um, uh, I guess get us rolling. I just want to say the Chiefs, like you just said, currently the favorite at plus 600 to win the Super Bowl. Jets currently in seventh, where I think they've been hovering at plus 1600. So just to give a little context where Vegas has these, that's where we're starting. Yep. Beautiful. Love it. Um, we're going to go position group by position group. Some we're looping in together. We're doing secondary, not corners and safeties. We don't need to get that into the weeds with the receiving options, not receiving wide board. receivers, yep. tight ends. Um, and we will start at the quarterback position. Teddy, the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes. The uh, Jets have Aaron Rodgers, which is a very good Tough option. To Tough one. to. We're starting off with a loss here. Patrick <laughs> Mahomes is greater than Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely true. The only thing <laughs> I want to say about this is when you're looking from the perspective of, of Super Bowl champions, it's like for Super Bowl potential. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes is that guy, and you saw what he was able to do despite maybe not having the weapons that some other teams had last year um, where he still got it done. But 
this has been the goal. And this is what we talked about during the whole Rogers saga is I think there's a limited number of quarterbacks who could win a Super Bowl. And I think the fact that we have a guy who can at least be put on that list is a great thing. Maybe he's not Patrick Mahomes, the best in the league, but he's at least good enough to get it done. I agree. You don't need to have the best quarterback every single year. It does help. The Chiefs have done it a couple of times now. (laughs) But Aaron Rodgers has won Super Bowls before. Um, You know, Matthew Stafford won a Super Bowl. Like, you just have to be one of the better quarterbacks. That's really all it is. You know, that's why Jalen Hurts didn't end up winning one last year. That went over your head. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's stupid because... (laughs) I waited for you to see... Look at their their Super Bowl stats. What did this fucker just say? Yeah, I... uh, I, my mantra over the last five years has been Aaron Rodgers was the greatest quarterback I've ever seen until I saw Patrick Mahomes. And so it's like, it's, yep. it's like they, their game is so reminiscent of the, the way that they've modernized the quarterback position. These are my two favorite players um, outside of, you know, my Colts quarterbacks that I love. And, and that's just more emotional attachment. Um, but yes, Patrick Mahomes greater than Aaron Rodgers at this point, safe to say. Yeah. Um, so the moving on, game. moving on to the running game. Um, we've got right now Isaiah Pacheco, Jarek McKinnon, and Clyde Edwards Elaire uh suiting up for the Chiefs. Those will be the three main contributors. The Jets, meanwhile, hopefully a healthy Brees Hall coming back soon. Michael Carter as well. Um, Izzy at a boot at a at a at a bunke at a at a I I had it after the Something draft like and then I stopped saying it since then. So give me a few weeks. I gotta get back into shape here. Um and then uh yeah. bam well too so um, when you take a look at this running game i think obviously the jets have the main attraction in Brees hall um i would say i i like the versatility a little bit more of the chiefs game isaiah pacheco came on really strong at the end of last season uh jarek mckinnon is always a guy that's kind of bounced around as a valuable role running back and and clyde man i just didn't work out he's a player he just didn't work out where (laughs) do you stand player if you had to sit and take a look and say this this running back room is greater than this running back room, where do you lean? Yeah, I mean, if you're looking with a healthy Brees, <clears throat> it's an easy Jets win. I mean, yeah. it, it, how how many times has a talking point for the Chiefs been that their running game, you know, isn't good enough or, you know, they just kind of ignore it. Um, you take Brees out, it's obviously a lot closer. Um, I, I honestly think it's like kind of pretty similar where you have like Pacheco, McKinnon and Clyde are all, you know, guys who can get, do something. And I kind of think the same with like Michael Carter um, and Bam, and then hopefully Izzy the rookie, but you know, I think these are pretty equal in that if you take Brees out for the jets, you're not really confident in either group. Yeah. Um, that's that's a very fair point. I, I'm so, yeah. No, I'm going to push I, back I, a little. You know. I, I like Pacheco. I thought the way he finished the season, as as you saw the Chiefs kind of utilize him more and more, his run in the playoffs, he was really solid for them. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but his receiving <clears throat> skills are really helpful for that offense as well, too. Um, if if we didn't have a if we weren't taking Brees into consideration, I honestly would pick the Chiefs just because I think they have the top guy in Pacheco. And I just trust Jarek, I guess, a little bit more than some of the other guys. Like I want, I I loved Michael Carter after his rookie season, and last year was a huge disappointment in what he was able to do. Um, you know, it was it was fine as an RB two, but then when the role expansion came, it just it didn't really pan out the way I was hoping it would. It was a, so efficient as rookie season, um, but 
I am taking into consideration that we've got Brees Hall playing for the majority of the season, and he's the top guy. He's one of the better running backs in all of football. Uh, we saw it in just a small sample size, so I, I lean Jets here as well. Yeah, I'm in line with you. This next one's going to be really interesting. Um, we're going to talk receiving core, and that's wide receivers and tight ends. I'm just going to list off the top options. Um, the For the Kansas City Chiefs, obviously, Travis Kelsey, who is on his way to finishing a career, is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, tight end of all time, at least pass catching perspective. So you got Travis Kelsey, Kadarius Toney, former first-round pick, who is now there after being traded from the Giants in the middle of last season. Sky Moore, second or third-round pick for the Chiefs last year, mid-round pick. They also have in Marquez Valdez-Scantling, uh, former Packers wide receiver, who was with them last year as well, too. Now, for the uh, New York Jets, obviously, the main guy out there, Garrett Wilson, but you've also got Alan Lazard, Corey Davis. I'm throwing in Tyler Conklin, I guess, is my four, unless you have another yeah, four that you'd end. like to argue for. Um, I, I went Conklin over me, Cole. I, that's where I landed. I don't know if you have another no, four. No, yeah, I think that's fine. I'm the, I mean, the, the next, yeah, the next guy for the Jets would be, would be Miko and for the, for the uh, Chiefs would be rookie Rasheed Rice, um, who people are excited about. I guess you just need to see what happens on the field. Um, to me, I mean, the only, like, I mean, I'll talk about Conklin. You just said you're unsure about Conklin. I think Conklin's awesome. I think he is a really good receiving threat. Um, and I think he's going to have a pretty good year, especially with Rodgers. Um if you're just looking at the receiver room, you know, the Jets run away with this in a landslide. I think that obviously adding a guy like Travis Kelsey to the Chiefs, you know, he's like top, I don't know, five receiving option in the league, right? Like, you know, if not Easily. higher, Easily. he's that dude. Um, but I do definitely think like you look at the Chiefs and what's been so awesome about the Chiefs is because of Patrick Mahomes and how good Kelsey is. They've just been kind of able to get it done even without having other like great receivers. I'm a big Tony believer. I think he's going to have like a pretty good year, but he I, is. to me, like when you look at the, when you look at Garrett Wilson, who I think hopefully should be up there as a, as a top receiving option, Kelsey, and then the consistency that I think we're going to have with Lazard and Davis and Conklin and then you throw in a Meikle Hardman, who I think, you know, without the pressure of being that top guy, like you put Meikle back on the Chiefs and people he's could the, argue he's their second best option. You know what I mean? Whereas you put him on the Jets and he's clearly, you know, the fourth or fifth best option. So to me, like the consistency that you're going to get out of these vets with Lazard and Davis, um, and then you mix that with kind of like the... um I'm, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the kind of like tricky stuff with Meikle and then a consistent guy in Conklin. I, I honestly think this goes to the Jets. You sold me on the consistency part of it. I don't trust Sky Moore yet. Marquez Valdez-Gandling disappeared for more than half of the season last year. And Tony, albeit came out really strong, and I do expect, I'm with you as well too, he's a very talented receiver. He's dealt with injuries. He's been very inconsistent, so... I, I think they've got the best option in Travis Kelsey, but even with bad quarterback play, we've seen Corey Davis perform when needed. No, it wasn't a top wide receiver, but third down Corey Davis. That was what we were saying all last season. Garrett Wilson was very strong with poor quarterback play. Um, and I don't think that we've, I don't, I, I think we're, we're still underestimating, I think Tyler Conklin and, and the value that he can bring if fully healthy to this passing game as well too. So 
I was really 50-50 on the fence with this, and I was just going to lean and take Kelsey because of the best guy. But who can I trust outside of Kelsey? Tony, hopefully. Sky Moore didn't see enough. Valdez Scantling, I don't know what last year was. I thought he, I was so high on Valdez Scantling to the Chiefs. I was like, he's going to be the guy that stretches the field. And the numbers were just very underwhelming. Yeah, to be honest, what, what I see with, with those guys, and, and you know, they had Juju last year too, and I think all of them ended up with like less than 600 receiving yards or like less than 700, like something like that, where basically it was just like Kelsey and then spread it around to everyone. Like to me, all of those guys, and again, I'm like, I believe in the Tony kind of breakout to, to but at least based on what it was last year, it was like, they all kind of, underperformed of like being that number two option, but we're good enough to just be there for Patrick Mahomes. I think he doesn't really care and he can make it work with, with under the radar guys. Um, so like, I think Marquez Valdez-Scaling is a good wide receiver. I think he like did what he needed to do last year, but I, again, you know, you put all the pieces together and I still think the Jets get that. All right. You, you got me. You talked me into it. I'm, I'm going to go Jets here for the receiving core. Um, to Love me, that. this next one is another one pretty easy uh offensive line for the kansas city chiefs tackle position donovan smith coming over from the tampa bay buccaneers uh they've got joe tooney via new england there at guard creed humphrey probably the best center in all of football trey smith at right guard and then Jawan taylor a uh, late trade uh, right before the draft or maybe it was on draft day jacksonville jaguars tackle sent to kansas city so that's the starting five there for uh, the Chiefs, the Jets, obviously, Dwayne Brown right now, Lakin Tomlinson. I'm putting Tipman in there at center. I think he's got the job when it's all Good. said and done. <clears throat> AVT at right guard and Becton at right tackle. Teddy, tell me why I shouldn't take the Chiefs here and, and move on to defensive line. Um, No, I, I, I guess you kind of have to. I mean, the Chiefs have been good on their line. And you, you look at, like, Creed Humphrey right next to Joe Tooney, and that's just like a solid, you know, two guys to have. I think when you look at the Jets, you have AVT who you believe in a lot, but then everyone else is some type of question mark. You know, you got Dwayne Brown, who was awesome last year, but is another year older. You have Lakin, who was supposed to be this great veteran signing, who underperformed extremely. Then you have a question mark at center, you know, either a rookie or kind of a, a middling vet. And then you have the question marks around Becton. So I, I don't think there is an argument for the Jets here. And I think this is one of the biggest kind of like swinging points for this Jets team. I mean, if this Jets offensive line can be average or above, that's a very big win. Whereas if they're going to be kind of on that 16, 17 and below best line in the league, that's where you, you do start to worry because it's like it, you can have great options and you can have a great quarterback, but that offensive line play is so important, especially with getting the balance with the run game. I mean, the, the the Chiefs have just shown time and time again that they, they can get it done. So so they get the nod for now. I think it's – they've got the – to me, that guard, center guard is – I think uh, – nothing else is popping in my head. I think the best in football. I think they're interior. And yeah, I would agree with you. I think tackle. most teams you look and you – those those positions specifically are like, yeah, that's kind of weak. You they know, there's not it. a yeah. ton of guys that are great at those positions. Yep, exactly. And they've nailed that there. So, um, I mean, if you think back to even the work that they've done since that Buccaneers Super Bowl, I mean, they they got out of that game and they were like, immediately, we are we are putting offensive linemen in front of Patrick Mahomes. And, and that's been huge yep. for them. And obviously it, it paid off well. I mean, the way they held up against even Philly's defense in that Super Bowl was amazing. Um, moving on. So we both give that one to the Chiefs. Defensive line. 
Um, the the Kansas City Chiefs are sitting here with some of their big impact players. George Karloftis, I think he's either a second or third year guy now out of Purdue. Big beefy uh, motherfucker. I think he was a yeah. I said Purdue. I think yeah, he's Purdue a second year. I think he was drafted last second year. year. Derek Nadi as well too on the interior. Chris Jones. Other edge rushers, there's not really a necessarily a marquee name to them. And then the Jets guys, we all know John Franklin Myers, Big Q, Carl Lawson. You can throw in the young guys, Jermaine Will McDonald, Quentin Jefferson. Um, the strength of the Jets defense or one of the strengths of the Jets defense, uh, where do you stack them up compared to the the Chiefs guys? Which I I, I don't mean to make it sound like I'm just I, – I list I feel bad because I listed six names here for the Jets and just three for the Chiefs. Yeah. <laughs> got dudes, but um, I don't know. Yeah, other name. I mean, I, I'm not going to pretend to like be this big Chiefs defensive line guy. I mean, the other names we're missing: Charles Amenihu is listed as their <laughs> other uh, starting end, and then backups are Mike Dana, Keandre Coburn, Tershawn Wharton, and Felix Anudike Uzama. Um, I'm not going to pretend I know anything about these guys. What I do know is Karloftis is a guy who was pretty good last year. Got a lot of hype yep. in the draft. And Chris Jones is obviously a great player. Um, but it, it to me, I mean, it's just not enough compared to where what I think about this Jets defensive line. I really think that's a strength of this team. And especially like the rotational pieces we put behind it are, you know, our second and third guys are guys that I would trust to be out there pretty regularly. So, so I think this one goes to the Jets pretty easily. But, you know, maybe I don't know shit. <laughs> to me it's a lesser extent of the of the uh receiving core option where like to me personally chris jones is still better than quinnon williams i'll still just give him the slight edge there but outside of that the jets have one of the best defensive lines and, and rotations in all of yeah. football so this is one where i think pretty consistently just running through a few teams i, I don't know if there's going to be many teams where i choose them over the Jets defensive line here. So this will be a pretty consistent one for me where I'm going to be picking the Jets D line over just yep. about anybody in the conference. Um, moving on through the defense. So we've been pretty even so far. Both of us go with, with um, I, I guess we should have wrapped up the offense or maybe we can do a full recap after, but it seems Let's to be pretty now. back. In, yeah. So taking a look at the offense, we both went uh, Chiefs advantage at quarterback. We went uh, Jets advantage at the running back position, receiving core. Teddy talked me into the Jets there. Um, offensive line, we went with the Chiefs uh, pretty emphatically, uh, in my opinion, at least. So that's a, a two and two split. We're starting off the defense there with a Jets win as well, which is pretty nice. Um, let's move along to the linebackers here, Theodore. Um, taking a look for the Kansas City Chiefs, the big names that really stick out. Nick Bolton, love of my life. Um, just a fun side story here. This guy will this guy will be a name that just like lives in, in our, our lives forever. Uh, you guys, if, if you've been listening for a while, Scott Graham and Mike Michelli have been on and they'll be on to do an AFC's preview later in the summer. Uh, they were both in Nashville for the Super Bowl, Um, and, and we were betting on some futures and I was like, I'm going to take Nick Bolton for Super Bowl MVP. And then, uh, early on in the first half, he returns a fumble for a touchdown and then a little bit later in the game, he almost returns a second one for a touchdown. So it just just great vibes. It was a total dart shot. Uh, he lives in my heart forever. It sucks they called back yeah. that second touchdown because the payout was like. I think he had a couple sacks, and then yeah, he had oh. a he had a, a a pick six that got called back. And honestly, like with the way that you know 
Mahomes only threw for 160 yards or whatever it was. It was like that was it was one of the most unbelievable game unbelievable gambling picks I've ever seen. Despite the fact that it lost, like the fact that if that one play doesn't get called back, it probably wins. And we're talking about a linebacker being Super Bowl MVP is you know <laughs> unbelievable. So hats off to you, Blake. That's an awesome story. Oh, um, and I'll never forget about this guy because of it. Yep. None of us will. None of us will. He, he'll live in, he could like, he could disappear and not, you know, be a good linebacker, like fall into a depth piece for the chiefs for the yep, rest yep. of his career. I'll never forget him. Um, so Nick Bolton <laughs> there at linebacker, they got Willie Gay as well too. Drew Tranquil. Um, and then for the jets, you know, the, you know, the three it's CJ Mosley, it's Jamie and Sherwood listed right now in Quincy Williams. Um, Theodore, take it away. Yeah, this is an odd one for me because I do think that like the first thought is like easily Chiefs. Um, especially like this linebacker group has been a group that we've talked about, you know, the past couple of years as kind of like needing some more. And obviously last year we had Quan Alexander who's still floating around right now, but it's just kind of interesting to me because if you had it's let's say we did have Quan, and so you put up our guys from last year which would be Mosley Quan, and Quincy my initial thought would again be like oh Chiefs easily win like our group isn't that great but I mean our linebackers played fucking awesome last year like they really did um and especially you know Quincy Williams who a lot of guys were like including me who was like this is a guy who makes flashy plays but isn't really an every down guy he improved a lot he still obviously has some coverage work but he he improved in that a lot and Jamie Sherwood's a guy who I've kind of hyped up uh, um as good but and is now kind of getting that now that he like more reports are coming out about him um so part of me wants to say the Jets just because like I I think this was a really good room last year and I believe in Jamie and Sherwood but I just still like it's like all those same worries are still there. It's like Mosley's another year older. And then Quincy, you know, was it just a flash in the pan or is he, you know, a solid, reliable piece? And then Jamian's still going to be a, a question mark of whether he can really be that guy, whether we sign Quan Alexander later in the, in the off season, whatever. Um, I think this chiefs linebacker group has just shown a little bit too much to give the nod to the jets, despite my love for the jets linebackers. I agree. I'm a little bit more bullish and, and just more like the Chiefs are. I think if you're asking me who the top, who the, if, who's the best number one linebacker to me, that goes to Bolton. If you ask me who's got the best number two option, that's to me with Willie Gay. So outside, if you're just comparing and stacking up, like I think um, I th Bolton is better than Mosley. I think Gay is better than Sherwood or, or um, Quincy. So that's where I kind of just land. I'm going to go. I don't think either are necessarily fantastic. I do think that the Chiefs' um, top option, obviously, is the best. You know, top 10-ish linebacker. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to go Chiefs, and I will still just – you know, we, we could be sitting here poo-pooing the Jets linebackers yet again. And I, I don't think – I don't know if there's going to be a season – where they play great. And then I'm not going to go into the following off season being like, man, I don't like this linebacker room, you know, like CJ Mosley gets another all yeah. pro nod or a pro bowl. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't see it. So I feel like I'm, that's just going to be one of our running bits here as we continue the show is that we just never like the jets linebackers, but I am going to pick the chiefs here um, over the jets. And then, uh, yeah, last but not least, let's get to the secondary. 
Um, the Chiefs rolling out uh, with their cornerbacks. We've got Trent McDuffie and Legarius Sneed backing the safety room. They've got Justin Reed, uh, former Houston Texan, and Brian Cook. And then the Jets boys, Sauce and Reed on the outside, Whitehead and Amos at safety. I think it was very intentional for me on my part to just group in secondary uh, and, and receiving <laughs> options uh, just because I, I one for the sake of time, but two also, I'd rather just have sauce and Reed take all the shine here. Uh, where do you stand yeah. secondary wise for these two teams? Yeah. I mean, I, I got nothing against um, the chiefs secondary. I, I think they got good guys. I think Sneed's an okay player and McDuffie as well. Um, but I, I truly like, I think the jets have the best cornerback duo in the league. Um, if, frustrates me when when reed doesn't get the shine he should because he was honestly just as good as sauce gardner last year in a lot of ways obviously not as elite but he he was easily a top 10 cornerback um, and i think watching him play just proved that obviously you worry about the safeties but like we discussed earlier um you know i think they're good enough so i think the safeties probably makes this a closer race than it would be if we had some top tier guys, but I, I I don't think you can pick against the Jets when you have Sauce and, and DJ Reed. Yeah, this would be the one. I, I agree. There's going to be some teams that we go through when we look at secondary, and we're like the safeties are really hurting the competitive advantage. I think of Buffalo secondary, where I really love their safety play. The Chiefs don't have mm-hmm. like a all pro safety back there. Justin Reed is solid, but you know, they used to have honey badger, Tyro Matthew, who's no longer with the team. I think he's down in new Orleans now. So this isn't one of those where I'm like, well, the safeties are just clearly so much better that it makes it closer. You're, you're dead on best cornerback duo in the league, in my opinion, um, and, and both of our opinions and uh, should be hopefully a lot of people's opinions by the end of this season. This to me was one of the easier ones to go with the jets on. Yeah. So, yeah, if, I mean, it, so, funny enough, yeah, go ahead. Where's your thoughts after doing this? No, I, I think here? we were just about to say the same thing yeah. because I think before we just talked through it, both of us kind of agreed that the Chiefs kind of beat the Jets when you're looking at overall roster. Yeah. Um, But then you kind of look and I mean, we, we were two and two in our offensive groups and, you know, one two on and defense. one advantage to the jets on defense um so it's an interesting thing i i I think it you know like i kind of said at the beginning of this it's kind of come out that maybe this jets team doesn't isn't as good as everyone's talking about like without aaron Rodgers, which i think is a fair thought and when we sit here and analyze the defense you know we say hey our linebackers don't look great our safeties don't look great like there's all these room for improvements, but with that being said, like we said all that last year about this Jets defense and they were a top five team uh, defense. And I think they've gotten if like, they've at least stayed held water, if not improved a little bit. Um, you know, the, the offense is where it's like, yes, we were two and two with the Jets, but the chiefs are probably going to be the best offense in the league. So I'll give them the nod there. I do yeah. think the chiefs probably have an overall better roster. And a lot of that is just, the lift up of Patrick Mahomes because if you put a worse quarterback there than the running back room in the receiving room, you really start to worry you. Um, so I like, I do think the chiefs are better than the jets, but I do think it kind of shows like this jets team can be right there. It, you know, if things go their way. 
Definitely. I think the biggest thing that stood out to me for when I was just even listening through our conversations with it is yes, I still think the chiefs are the better team. And the reason that it really stuck out for me is there are two position groups in which we picked the jets, but then I also said the chiefs have the best player. Like we picked the jets for receivers, but Travis Kelsey's the best one out of the bunch. We picked the jets defensive line to me, the best pure guy on both lines. And it's not that far away between him and Quinnen, but Chris Jones to me is better than Quinnen still. So that's where I was like, even though it was a lot closer, I'm still looking. I'm like, yeah, I still think the Chiefs and and when we do through this series, the, the Jets aren't going to have to beat every single one of these teams. It's not the way it works. We don't sit there with every team just sitting in front of you like it's a, the level of a video game. You know, some of these teams are going to beat up on themselves. But just as we take a look at the landscape, do I think we're at the Chiefs level? No. And Vegas agrees with us. And I think most people agree with us. But, you know, Kansas City get, can't get past Cincinnati. That just seems to be getting in their way every once in a while up until this past, you know, AFC uh, title game. Um, You know, there are teams that are going to knock each other out of the way. So maybe we don't even have to see Kansas City. But looking at this team right now, I still am. I'm happy that the Jets are a lot closer than they would have been a year ago. But I still think that, you know, they're, they're the defending champs and the Super Bowl favorites for a reason here. Yeah. But this is fun. That's what's sometimes tough about these things is you got to give respect where respect is due. You know, exactly. And the Chiefs have done nothing i mean the only thing you could really say about the chiefs is like hey they kind of have a lack of weapons on offense outside of travis kelsey and patrick mahomes but then you're like well didn't matter last year no not at all exactly yeah yeah this is gonna be a fun series ted this is a long one we're sitting probably about now probably about an hour and a half around there feels good though feels good a lot to catch up on yeah, I know. I know. It, it, it's uh, the next ones won't be as long because there won't be as much news. And maybe we even double up some of the teams. But I like this series. This series is going to be uh, it's going to be fun because it's going to be really I'm super excited to get to like the Ravens, how we stack up with them. Miami yeah. conversation will be fun. There's a, a lot of teams in this conference that we got to be talking about. Yeah, I think it'll be fun when we get outside of the top couple people, too, because it's like, yes we just did the top team and the jets kind of like we're, we were in there head to head, you know, whatever. Um, But I think what it's really going to show is like how many good teams there are in this AFC, you know, where it's like, you're getting down to the ninth, 10th, 11th team. And it's like, wow, we're still like kind of at the top third of the league. Like what the hell is going on here? You know? So also um, I think that'll be fun. Also gives us a nice chance to just throw out some takes on the rest of this conference and prove that, Hey, we know some stuff outside of the, uh, there's a team, there's a, there's a team that we're going to get to in a few weeks that I am just like, so all in on for this season in terms of like futures place. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say it yet. Say it off camera. I'm not teasing it yet. There's a team in the AFC that I am just like AFC team. Yeah. And honestly, it's probably not going to be that hard to figure out. I might've even already said them within the last five minutes. So uh, there's an AFC team that I'm just like, amped to 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 bet on to invest in financially to be like this team is going to go off in 2023 is it the chargers no man i didn't even think about the chargers come on tell me who it is don't tease us baltimore ravens okay 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 i'm like yeah all I, in. I, I am i like that i hate when people in. are down on lamar that like pisses me off so much i am yeah, I, so I, in on their offense i'm with that i'll throw in this as an nfc team I think that the Rams are going to outperform a lot where I think a lot of people are viewing the Rams as, as going to be the worst in the league. And I think they're, they're going to be an opportunity to, you know, take their win total, take, take their overs on yards and stuff like that. 
Matt Stafford healthy, that team is going to be just fine. I'm totally with you on At that. At least and, middle of the pack. And and Aaron Donald and Sean McVay didn't both come back to just tank for a year so they could get Caleb right. Williams. They're going to be pushing themselves, and the NFC is wide open, so I, I don't hate that at all. Rams, all Ravens, right. Super Bowl. You just heard it here, except for the Jets. Rams, no, Ravens, yeah, Ravens Jets, AFC Championship, Jets, Rams, Super Bowl. Okay, maybe not Rams, Super Bowl. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> that's that's exactly. all right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to us, um, you know, go on and on for almost two hours about the New York Jets. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at NYJ underscore chasing 69. Same as the YouTube Teddy at Teddy Huncho. I am at Spring Blake. We will talk to you next week and we will actually be back next week because we've got a lot of fun things to discuss as we get closer and closer to the NFL season. We appreciate you. We love you. And we'll talk to you next week. Peace.